You're listening to Tech Thursday on West Limerick 102 FM. Hello there and you're very welcome to Tech Thursday. It's Patrick Sheehan with you for the next hour or so. I'm going to be going through some of the tech stories that's in the news at the moment and I'll mix in a bit of music and things like that. So so let's get started with the first story. Apple and Google release contact tracing software. So uh, there's a lot of stories been going around about this recently and uh, Apple and Google have uh, their own versions uh, coming out now. The contact tracing software built by Apple and Google to support public health apps with tracking the speed of coronavirus has been released for the first time. The tech giants have worked together to create an exposure notification system which can be built into health agency apps using Bluetooth to track contact with others and to alert users when they have been exposed to the virus. The Apple and Google software allows what is known as decentralized approach where the contact data collected on users' devices can be analyzed there, which some people are saying it's safer that the information is sent somewhere else with no names attached and uh, that, that that is the way it works, that uh, the other company then sorts out the information and but without knowing who the person is. Uh, so that's the, that's, the, that's the idea. In a centralized system, when a user develops symptoms and chooses to declare it, they consent to sending their data to a central server, which then analyzes which contact events had a high-risk transmission and therefore who sent the alert. Apple and Google said currently 22 countries on five continents have requested access to its software. But the company are saying that it's uh, it's just a supplement to, not a substitute for traditional contact tracing methods and things like that. So uh, the contact tracing has been used a lot in um, Korea and things like that. They, they've said that it's helped to reduce their numbers of uh, COVID-19 spreading and things like that. Other countries then aren't as keen to get into it because they believe it breaches privacy and things like that. So it's it's yeah, it's a it's not a black and white answer to to that question, you know. But uh, I suppose if it's used well and um, is able to be shut down later on, or is you know opt in, you know you can choose uh, to 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 do your part, and then you can delete the app later, and that's the end of it, you know. So if it's that, it's fine, like. If it's up to the people themselves. Um, next up, we have Twitter testing new tweets uh, or tweet reply controls. Oh yes, I was—I actually saw this yesterday. Uh, Twitter has started testing a new feature allowing users to control who can reply to their tweets. Yeah, so I've seen yesterday some people were <laughs> were putting up like controversial statements, like uh, Star Wars is terrible or Star Wars is crap, and then turning off the replies just so nobody can reply to it, or just doing different things that, that they knew would get people riled up, and then blocking the <laughs> blocking the replies as a joke. Uh, what did I call it? A troll bomb. <laughs> the social network first mooted the idea at the beginning of the year to make individuals feel safe and comfortable using the platform. A safe space. (laughs) A limited group of people globally will be able to test the feature, though all users will be able to see these conversations. The controls mean people can choose one of three options before tweeting. Either everyone can see the tweets, or um, only people who follow you, or only people you mention. Oh, right, so if I tweet out to somebody and tag them in it, um, they'll be able to reply to me, but nobody else will if I choose that option. Or only people who follow me is just my followers. Oh, yeah, so are everyone. Oh, so that's, that's pretty good. Or nobody at all. <laughs> 
a label will appear for two new options. The reply icon greyed out so people will not be able to see or will be able to see that they can't reply to it. So, However, those who are not able to reply directly in a tweet uh, are still able to retweet and retweet with comment uh, like uh, like all controlled tweets. Oh, so you can still quote tweet it and say whatever you want to say on your own timeline. That's fair enough, I suppose. Uh, so that's yeah. That's some of the changes for Twitter. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, people can you know choose to do it or not. <laughs> Although it is funny, you know, that people can come up with these controversial statements and not be uh, not be uh, able to or that nobody's able to reply to it. So there's going to be a lot of that going on. Uh, arrival of Asian hornet bees would be foot and mouth for Irish bees. Apparently, uh, it may be here already. It could happen next week or next month, but there's, <laughs> this is very scary the way they, they, they frame this. Uh, but there is a fair chance that the Irish bee population will eventually come under threat from a deadly foe with origins in the Far, Far East, uh, writes Gary Moran. In the, this is in RTE Tech News. Uh, the Asian hornet Vespa Veltuina it's a very exotic name, has already had a hugely negative impact on bee populations, vital to biodiversity and critical for pollinating of crops in parts of Europe. It reached Britain four summers ago. It also has been confirmed that there have been deadlier Asian giant hornet um, fl- uh, bees made uh, its way to the US late last year and there was as of yet unconfirmed sighting in Spain this spring. Yeah, so what these I've seen a video of what these giant Asian hornets do. They just go into a bee's nest and they just like bite all their heads off. <laughs> they kill like thousands or hundreds at least uh, bees all over the place. Uh, but I've seen bees retaliate against it because they're like five times bigger than a normal bee and they're much stronger. But what I've seen um, it's very uh, it's mad that certain bees it was it in japan that what uh, all the small bees start uh, swarming on top of it surround it and uh start like sh- cover it completely and uh get its temperature up because it can survive only up to 2 degrees less than normal than those normal bees so the bees can survive at higher temperature so what they do is they overheat it and kill it it's amazing uh, what nature does. Uh, the giant hornet is nicknamed the murder hornet for so-called slaughter phase in which a group numbering less than 30 can attack and kill nearly all of the adult worker bees in a colony. Yeah, that's the, they just fly through them. They just kill, 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 kill. Yeah, it's, ama- it's mad to see it. Uh, in the space of just a few hours, a strong, healthy colony of 30,000 bees can be literally decapitated by the hornets using their powerful mandibles. Uh, the so-called murderers then carry off the throax of their dead prey to feed their young. Okay, so that's that's mad. Uh, so, yeah, they're worried that it's going to get over to Ireland. It's in Europe. Um, uh, in Europe, it is thought that the first Asian hornet queen uh, queens arrived in a consignment of Chinese pottery in a lot um, in the Lot de Garonne region in the southwest of France. Yeah, see, there's lots of items being shipped all over the world all the time, and especially from China, there's there's tons of stuff being shipped in all over the world. So you know, if uh, if some bees can survive their way over, um, it can be dangerous. So, uh, Dr. Mary Coffey, has a PhD in pollen al- and analysis, uh, became lead research in the National um, Apiculture Program in 2003. Worked with Chagas for many years. 
and at the start of this year was appointed Assistant Agricultural Inspector. Uh, she knows bees. She says the Asian hornet has arrived and successfully reproduced in the UK and there is nothing in their life cycle to suggest it can't reproduce in Ireland. Uh, it's being monitored by the department and there are special hives at the ports and airports and departments monitoring. Oh, they, so they set up hives near the ports and airports because they, that's the first port of call for them as well, where they might uh, where they might end up landing. So that's very interesting. There's a lot going on in the background that we don't know about, about certain things, isn't there? Um, okay, we're going to take a break now. And after the break, I'll back to you with some more tech news. And you're very welcome back to Tech Thursday. It's Patrick Sheehan with you. Uh, we're going to keep going through the tech news and see what's going on in the tech world. Uh, Hypergene Diagnostics gets CE marking for COVID-19 tests. Dublin-based Hypergene uh, Diagnostics uh, has successfully completed the CE marking of a new COVID-19 test. So that's very good. You know, testing is some of the most important uh, things that's been done. Uh, it helps to trace everything and... Uh, make sure you know people know if they have antibodies if they're positive if they're negative and what treatments need to be done if any you know that kind of thing uh, it follows a clinical evaluation study at the matter private hospital in dublin that demonstrated the efficiency of the test or the efficacy of the test sorry the ce mark signifies that products sold in the european economic area have been assessed to meet high safety health and environmental protection requirements the new COVID-19 test uses Hybergene's proprietary molecular re reagent format to accurately detect the virus in nose and throat swabs, with the company's small portable HG Swift instrument able to test four samples concurrently. Positive results are returned within 20, 30 minutes, oh, so that's very good on average, enabling rapid diagnosis of the disease. So that's good, a 30-minute test has been given CE approval, so oh, that's very good. So it's a uh, because there's a lot. There was a big problem with um, inaccurate tests, faulty tests, false positives, false negatives, things like that. Uh, ones coming from all over the world. So this is good that there is a, a made by an Irish company or a company in Ireland anyway. Um, they can test in thirty minutes as well because. Uh, a lot of tests you hear about two days later, three days later, more even. Uh, getting the results back so this is a 30 minute test so uh 30 minute results so that's very good enabling rapid rapid diagnosis of the disease at early stages and highly infectious stage of infection while negative results are returned within 60 minutes also 60 minutes for negative but uh 30 minutes on average uh the project is supported by a grant of 930,000 euro from horizon 2020 the eu program for, re for research and development so that's good. Seamus Gorman, CEO of Hybergene, said that the COVID-19 pandemic is the greatest challenge to humanity in our lifetimes. Uh, Hybergene has responded to the global challenge by leveraging our proprietary technology to accelerate the development of an accurate and reliable test for COVID-19. So that's good news. Um, I hope they start producing them and getting them out everywhere and uh, they're able to help people. Uh, so, in other tech news, we have a tech giant HTC invest €3 million Euro in VR uh, education. So, they're going to use VR for 
uh, they're setting it up to use VR uh, for education. Technology giant HTC Corporation invests uh, three million virtual technology software developer VR education. The two um, companies also two companies virtual reality technology software developer VR. Oh, so oh, it's a company is called VR Education. So HTC is going to be investing in them. Uh, the two companies also said they have agreed a strategic partnership for the distribution and license of VR's uh, Engage platform through HTC's global sales channels. Oh, so they're going to, they're, yeah, that's, uh, that happens a lot, actually, with different companies who one has a very good distribution network and the other company has a very good product. Uh, so they, they join, t- they, they team up together and they, they share out so that, that their product can get widely spread and uh, sold to lots of different people. So that's good. Uh, the investment follows the success of the 2020 HTC Vive ecosystem uh, conference, which was hosted in virtual reality on VR's platform in March. Uh, the Dublin and London Stock Exchange listed technology firm said a total of 48,284,102 oh no, subscriptions shared uh, shares will be issued at a price of 5.47 pence per share. Also, they're going, they're going to be listed and everything. This represents a premium of, out, of about 10% uh, to its share price when talks be, uh, between VR Education and HTC started in March. Oh, it's just saying that their value has gone up by 10% uh, because of the, the merger or the, the partnership. VR said that the proceeds of the subscription will be used to further develop, enhance its Engage platform and build its sales and marketing capability. So that's good. And it's going to be used for education. Yes, so in other tech news, Lenovo, um, their profit beats estimates and sees growth as more people work from home. So, yeah, that's not unexpected. Uh, Lenovo, uh, you know, they do a lot of laptops, tablets, things like that. Lenovo Group, the world's uh, biggest maker of personal computers. Is it? That's mad. I didn't know that it was that. Um, Has today reported a deep slump in fourth quarter profit due to disruptions caused by the coronavirus crisis. However, the results was far better than expectations. Uh, Their chairman said that the production was back on track and he expects to see year-on-year revenue growth this quarter for its PC and smart devices business and its data center um, business is more as more people work from home permanently. Uh, he told a separate briefing uh, the company estimates that there are two to three that in two to three years the the total addressable market for PCs industry wide may have increased by twenty five to thirty percent. The company's net profit tumbled sixty four percent in the three months from January to March uh, to forty three million, but was ahead of a. A consensus, a consensus estimate of 7.5 million. Uh, revenue slid 9.7% to 10. So the price, they've gone down, but it must be getting back up again uh, because they said it was good news. So, yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it's weird that, that companies are doing well, but the revenues are down or the, the whatever figures that they, they, they go by. I don't know how exactly it works, but maybe their future estimates are, are looking better than the, the past or something. Uh, EasyJet is hit by cyber attack. Hackers access uh, 9 million customers' details. The cyber attack on UK airline EasyJet accessed the email and travel details of around 9 million customers, as well as the credit card details of more than 2,000 of them, it said. The news of the late January attack means the budget airline, 
which has grounded most of its flights due to the COVID-19 pandemic and is is locked in a long-running battle with its founder and biggest shareholder, could face a hefty fine. British Airways, which was hit in 2018 with a theft of hundreds of thousands of credit card details, is still appealing a fine from the Information Commissioner's Office of £183 million sterling. Since we became aware of the incident, it has become clear that owning up, owning, owing to COVID-19, there is heightened concern about personal data being used for online scams, the airline's chief executive, John Lurgan, said. So <laughs> they, they got caught or they, they made a mistake before and got hacked and they got fined for it, for not having good enough safety. And now they're after, get, they're after getting hacked again. When do you think they would have learned their lesson um, the first time? EasyJet shares are down 64% in the last three months. And I think we have a story uh, lined up later on as well that they're trying to come back. Uh, well, no wonder they are. They're so down in money. They want to try to come back and start making revenue. Uh, other news is here's why uh, Elon Musk uh, keeps raising the price of Tesla's full serv- self-driving option. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. I, I don't know how much exactly it is, but it's like five grand or something just for a software update. It, there's no actual, you get no actual product. It's just an update to the software in a car you already own. Uh, it's mad money. Um, Tesla is raising the price of its top tier full self-driving option version of its autopilot driver assistance package by around $1,000 in early July. Uh, so in other words, if you want to get it, get it now. Uh, CEO Elon Musk announced on Twitter this week, the company has done this before a few times. It will probably do it again. The full self-driving package, to be clear, does not yet make Tesla's capable of driving without human intervention. Right now, it gives customers access to a series of incremental improvements to autopilot. But Musk believes the value of the feature, which currently costs 7000 so it's going to be going up to $8,000, is much higher in fact, once the work and the software is complete. So you're investing in future software upgrades or something like that. Uh, The price will continue to rise as the software gets closer to full self-driving capability with regulatory approval at uh, at that point. So they're doing it in stages. They're trying, okay, we want a little bit extra. Let's try to get approval for that. Uh, I know I'm sure there's like uh, millions in R&D costs for things like that i've seen some of the the how the cameras work and things like that with like it just is highlights like you know you see on your phone you, you might have facial recognition where it put like a square on your face this does it for everything lines on the road stop signs people moving around other cars the shape of the streets it draws lines for the straight shape of the street. it sees everything it's like terminator or something <laughs> but um it's still <clears throat> far, far from perfect and far from being uh, fully autonomous. So there's a lot of work going on in it, but it's it's uh, moving on. Uh, but yeah, the, it it is a lot for a for an individual person to have to pay just for a software update. Uh, and plus, it's not even a complete software update because it's still being done. But I suppose that's the way it has to be done when it, this is a new industry. Uh, automation, electric cars isn't new, but uh, the, the the current form of electric cars with trying to get uh, long distance and faster charging and things like that, more power um, <coughs> is uh, is new. 
and automation is definitely new. Uh, there may seem to be a lot because Tesla cars, again, aren't currently capable of actual uh, full self-driving. Autopilot can center a Tesla in a lane, uh, even around curves, and adjust the car's speed based on the vehicle ahead. The navigate on autopilot feature can suggest and perform lane changes. Yeah, I can do a good bit. There's a lot of YouTube videos that actually... Um, that's like somebody puts a camera inside their Tesla and like gets it, see how far it can get, it can drive you home kind of a thing. And it'll go around corners. It'll, um, you know, stay at a proper distance from the car in front. Uh, it can do some lane changing, it was saying there as well. But yeah, I've watched a few videos of the doing demonstrations of how the automation works. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's at its... They're doing it slowly as they should do. You know, they have. There's been some incidents where the cars have crashed and people have been killed and things like that. Uh, one was where a truck was a big. There was a big white truck and it didn't see it. It just saw it as like the sky or something. It didn't recognize it and ended up crashing into it. So, it they really have to be ultra careful. You know. Uh, as opposed to safest is well unless it was fully automated everything and it had trackers in every single vehicle had their own tracker so every other vehicle knew where they were at all times and it was uh, all traffic was fully automated that would probably be the safest of all uh, once the, the software is there but um, at the moment it's not people are driving people make mistakes or uh, uh you know, things pop up that a computer is not programmed for and then trouble can be caused. Okay, we might take a bit of music now, actually, and we'll be back with some more tech news after this. Uh, this is Tech Thursday with Patrick Sheehan. So, welcome back to Tech Thursday, and uh, I was just looking there at iOS 13.5. is out now with a faster way for, if you have an iPhone, the software is going to be doing an update. Um, uh, with a faster way to unlock your iPhone while wearing a face mask. So that was uh, highlighted as a problem there for the last few weeks, is that people wearing masks weren't able to unlock their phones. It wasn't just getting the reading off their eyes or something like that. It needed the whole face. Obviously, <laughs> when they were debuting it on the iPhone X, um, they, it wouldn't unlock because the, the CEO, was it Tim Cook, was doing the demonstration? Uh, his face was sweaty and it wouldn't even work. So I can imagine with a face mask, not hope. So they've done an update um, with new features that will direct results of the COVID-19 pandemic uh, changes, or with direct results from the, of the pandemic. Uh, changes to Face ID to make it easier to unlock your phone if you're wearing a face mask and support for the first phase of Apple and Google's jointly developed no, uh, exposure notification system. On previous versions of iOS, if you were wearing a face mask and tried to use Face ID, um, you'd have to wait for a couple of seconds while your iPhone attempted to identify your face before it would let you enter the passcode. Oh yeah, so it would say, I can't recognize your face, and then you have to put in a password. Uh, in iOS 13.5 though, you swipe up once from the bottom of the screen while you're wearing a mask, you'll see an option to enter your passcode. Oh, so it doesn't, it hasn't uh, found a way to, to recognize your face with a mask included. It just, it's, it just admits it can't do it, and just you go straight to a password. 
It just makes it uh, faster to go to a password. Uh, iOS 13.5 also supports Apple and Google's Exposure Notification API, meaning you'll be able to use apps developed by public health agencies that send you notifications if you may have been in contact with someone who has been diagnosed with COVID-19. The system is inactive until you have an app installed that uses the API, however. At some point in the future, Apple and Google will build this functionality directly into the operating system of their phones so that you can be notified uh, that you may have been exposed to COVID-19, even if you don't have an exposure notification app. Oh, that's worrying. They're going to put it in so you have no choice, even if you don't have an exposure notification app installed on your phone. So there's another article uh, linked to that. This is in uh, The Verge, by the way. Uh, Today's software update will also let you turn off the feature in group FaceTime calls that automatically changes the size of the participant windows when people speak. You can turn it off during group FaceTime calls, but it's it's going to be built into... That's worrying if they're going to force you to have it. And there's uh, just there's a click for another article about it. Apple and Google have a clever way of encouraging people to install contact tracing apps for COVID-19. Let's see a bit more about this because last week Apple and Google surprised us with announcement that the companies are spinning up a system to enable widespread contact tracing in an effort to contain the pandemic. The effort is barely two and a half weeks old and the company said... Uh, there are many open questions about how it will work. On Monday afternoon, the companies invited us, uh, this is The Verge, uh, in to ask some questions and uh, they joined the group. Basic idea is the jurisdictions with to flatten the curve and all that, but that's lot, most of the curves now uh, in most throughout Europe uh, and America. The curves have been flattened, so... That's already uh, been done, but I suppose there could be second waves. You want to test people widely and thoroughly for the disease. Uh, this article, uh, uh, historically, so it doesn't say much, primary investment. Yeah, no, it doesn't say much about um, if if it'll be just built in where you can't, like it was saying there, that you, you can, you, even if you don't have a contact tracing app, it'll know where you are and all that kind of thing. So that's worrying. Uh, Microsoft knew, well, that's built into a lot of apps already, but at least you have an option to turn it off. Um, Microsoft's new Windows Package Manager is already better than the Windows Store. Uh, now we need a better Windows Store. So there's a new Package Manager. Uh, Microsoft surprised Windows users with a new Package Manager yesterday. It's a command line tool that allows developers, power users, and really any Windows users to install their favorite apps from a simple command. If you ever had to wipe a Windows machine clean or set up new devices, you'll know the pain of having to reinstall apps. Yeah, I've had to do it many times. Uh, Find, download links and get uh, PCs ready again. Windows Package Manager aims to solve that and is relatively simple to create a script uh, to have your favorite app installed from a command prompt. Oh, so that's good. So, yeah, the Microsoft Store is very clunky and awkward, all right? I'm not, I'm not a big fan. Compared to, like, the, the Google Play Store or something like that, uh, it's night and day. So, But their package manager is good. So I must give that a go. I haven't uh, tried that yet now, if I, if I can. Uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League is coming to HBO Max. So this is people really divided. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> there's been an on uh, apparently Zack Snyder uh, talked about that he had a, a cut of the 
he was thinking to do a cut of the Justice League or hinted at it or something. Uh, the long rumor Snyder cut of director Zack Snyder's Justice League. So it's it's more due to online demand more than everything else. People were like, oh, we want to see it. it. The movie wasn't great, but maybe uh, his cut might be better. A lot of people are saying, oh, you don't want to bring out a worse version of a bad film and all this kind of... Uh, but who knows it might be much better maybe there was like oh he was forced to do this and forced to do that and or there was cuts the things taken out that shouldn't have been that made this the story made much more sense and you know some minor changes can make such a big difference you know, uh, that's why production is so important with movies and things like that between a, a bad film and a good film you can one you know like game of thrones for example the last season, if that was spread out, the exact same story, but spread out over three seasons, things got a chance to, to flesh out. Um, it could have been amazing because all the things that happened weren't that bad, you know, uh, but um, it's just how they done it. And maybe swap the Night King uh, with the, the, the storming of, um, of King's Landing uh, because the Night King should have always been the ending. Um I wanted to, t- anyway, back to <laughs> back to uh, the Justice League. I want to thank HBO Max and Warner Brothers for this brave gesture of supporting artists and allowing their true visions to be realised. Also, after a, sp- a special thank you to all those involved in the Snyder Cut movement for making this real. Yeah, that was, became very popular uh, online, uh, said Snyder in a, an announcement in the news. Uh, it's not clear yet what the Snyder's version of the movie will take. Apparently, the director and Deborah Snyder the director and Deborah Snyder, who produced Justice League and is also married to Zack, are still determining whether the director's cut will be released as a nearly four-hour film, <laughs> that'd be class, uh, or divided up into six-part series. According to The Hollywood Reporter, the cost of uh, producing the cut, which will include re-editing the film, scoring new music, and redoing and adding new visual effects, is said to be between 20 and 30 million. Imagine just to re-edit the film, uh, also per THR reports. Uh, the Snyder Cut uh, Cut's history is long and convoluted. Snyder originally stepped away from Justice League after the death of his daughter and Warner Brothers um, brought in Joss Whedon, who had already been recruited to help with the script uh, rewrites in an earlier stage to oversee reshoots and shepherd the film through editing and post-production. Everything between the studio and Schneider seemed amicable at first, but once the movie was released in 2017, fans took issue with Whedon's lighter, more comedic contributions to the film. A campaign started not long after the film's initial release for Warner Brothers to deliver a Snyder cut. In the nearly three years since release, uh, the Snyder Cut has developed into a full-force campaign from fans around the world. Online petitions were launched, public demonstrations were held outside Warner Brothers, <coughs> and Times Square ads were taken out in New York City. Some Snyder Cut campaigning has been positive. Some Were they not positive? To why were they not possible uh, the official release of the Snyder Cut campaign uh, group also raised money for suicide awareness oh, oh that's oh yeah but yeah 
the the thing trying to get the movie uh, the the cut done as well isn't exactly negative uh well maybe it's against the original cut but it's positive that they want to to see you know his version being done uh people have made friends via the campaign <laughs> fans have bonded over their favorite snyder dc movies uh, which also include batman versus superman dawn of justice and man of steel Actors like Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot have also participated in the campaign, tweeting out photos from Justice League with the hashtag release the Snyder Cut uh, hashtag. Uh, So that's good. It's interesting. Look, it'll be something to watch. Uh, Comic book movies are always fun. You know, the, the, the original film wasn't great, so anything might be an improvement. So, um... Do you know what? We might take another bit of music and I'll see you after this with some more tech news. And you're very welcome back to Tech Thursday with Patrick Sheehan. Uh, We just have a few more stories to go through today. Uh, Meet the first NASA astronauts SpaceX will launch into the orbit. Uh, So SpaceX has been teaming up with NASA for the last few years. Uh, They have really kind of revolutionized a lot of space technology, which hadn't changed, well, other than the space shuttle, hadn't changed an awful lot since the Apollo missions that landed on uh, the moon, apparently. (laughs) No, it is. Um, So... uh, yeah, the the space shuttle was kind of uh, was uh, taken offline. What it was about ten years ago or something, and uh, there hasn't been much revolution in the in the in the industry since, other than Tesla. So, um, they have the the rockets that can reland, which will save save millions uh, in in equipment and things like that. Uh, that has been a big uh, change, and uh, apparently m- new massive rockets being. Uh, designed by spacex and so they've teamed up with nasa so nasa astronauts bob benkin and doug hurley are about to star in the biggest space flight event of the decade launching on the inaugural flight of spacex's crew dragon spacecraft Uh, for years they've anticipated this moment picturing throngs of people lined up on florida's beaches to watch them ascend into the sky everyone is like when is it going to be and am I going to get invited? Hurley <laughs> told The Verge uh, last year of the texts he received from eager friends and family. It's fun being able to have a lot of people um, come and enjoy the launch in Florida than they would be able to in Kazakhstan. Also, that was depends on weather and things like that. They have to do the launch either in Florida or Kazakhstan, but they're thinking it's going to be Florida. Now their launch will likely look very different as the COVID-19 pandemic continues to grip the nation. The electric atmosphere... Oh, yeah, of course, there won't be big crowds there now because of coronavirus. Uh, the electric atmosphere, they expect it will be mostly absent uh, for this money. Well, I suppose it's a massive... You know, there's like a 100-mile view around. So if people could distance out, wear masks, things like that, they can go to see it, I suppose, if it's controlled properly. And people take responsibility. Um that electric atmosphere they expect it will mostly be absent for this monumental flight uh, as the NASA as NASA has urged spectators to watch the launch from home and it's what the two astronauts want to oh, okay fair enough they've asked oh, it's a pity though uh, it certainly is a disappointing aspect uh, for all the pandemic uh, Kennedy Space Center when is this supposed to be happening okay Crew Dragon on May the 27th my brother's birthday they will be the first passengers that SpaceX has ever launched into space and they'll also be the first people to launch to orbit from the United States since the end of the space shuttle program in 2011 oh it's 2011 yeah uh, I said 10 years ago I was pretty close nine uh, all of the nasa astronauts 
have had to fly on Russian rockets out of Kazakhstan for nearly the last day. Oh, so that was the Kazakhstan. It wasn't weather-related. I Sometimes that happens where they have to cancel because of weather. I thought it was just like they had multiple. Also, the Russians launched from there. Of course, of course. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, uh, so SpaceX is going to have their first two astronauts uh, flight in conjunction with NASA. Uh, they're going to the both have flown in space before and have uh, together they have spent nearly 1400 hours in space so the only thing new for them is the is the vehicle they won't be flying in a in a russian um, ship they're going to be flying in a uh, an american made tesla or not tesla spacex um so in other news uh instagram makes it easier to see when you're broadcasting music you can't use uh, broadcasting uh, with music you can't use in the background. Oh, well, that's very handy. Uh, to help protect against accidental copyright infringement, uh, Instagram has posted its guidelines for using copyrighted music during live videos. So that would be very handy if a little thing pops up, you are using, uh, you know, uh, please move away from the music or turn off the music in the background or whatever. So that would be interesting rather than cut off the video and remove your, uh, if you have... Um, if you're making money off the videos or things like that, they, they can, uh, they, you won't lose out on everything. They should do that on YouTube, definitely, as well, you know, that, that uh, if there's music that could be copyrighted, maybe just give you a warning or tell you to edit it or something like that or have some kind of editing software that can keep the voice, which is possible to boost the voice and dim down the music and put some other music some generic stuff the license free stuff or something like that should be an option to do that actually there should be like a video editing software on youtube that when you render it down or when you're doing some editing or something like that that it will um remove music that's that you you could get demonetized for and put some generic music and keep the voice there it's possible it's not easy though because uh, you know the voice and the music often could get get mixed up but there's different tones so sometimes it can be done where the voice can be boosted the music can be lessened and something else can be put in the background or something like that so people can keep the keep you know because youtubing is is a business for many people of course pewdiepie and different travel vloggers and things like that so it's important for them uh, what other news do we have? Samsung's Galaxy S20 Tactical Edition dresses up its flagship for the army. It's amazing what a case uh, and some software features can do. So it's just a big, big heavy case for an S20. <laughs> uh, Samsung has announced yet another version of the Galaxy S20, the, the S20 Tactical Edition, which promises a mission-ready military smartphone. It's designed for a slightly different customer base than it's already uh, released S20 and S20 Ultra. Despite the grand military branding and aspirations, S20 Tactical Edition is effectively just a regular S20 phone with some extra software features and a security option in a rugged juggernaut case. From a hardware perspective, uh, it, uh, the Tactical Edition is identical specs with a 6.2-inch OLED screen, Snapdragon, Snapdragon 865, 12GB of RAM, 128GB of storage, um, Sub 6 gigahertz 5G support and triple rear camera system. So it's pretty uh, it's pretty standard. But according to Samsung, the tactical edition caters to the unique needs of military operators by offering additional software features, which include a night vision mode, which turns off the display so that you won't get blinded while wearing night vision goggles, and an option to unlock the phone when it's landscape in a landscape mode. 
uh, which honestly sounds like something that Samsung should offer to the regular S22. Uh, there's also a dramatically named Stealth Mode, which promises to disable LTE and mute for all RF broadcasting for complete off-grid communications and sounds a whole lot like a rebranded airplane mode. <laughs> uh, perhaps the most amusing of all Samsung's uh, pitch to the military users of the usefulness of the DEX with the company arguing that the PC emulated mode means that operators can use the device for completing reports, training or mission planning when in the vehicle or in the back of the vehicle. I can imagine now with a phone trying to do stuff in landscape in full PC mode uh, trying to type and things like that. A lot of times wearing gloves would be next to impossible. Or maybe they could have uh, Bluetooth keyboards or something like that. Uh, they're also relying on their Knox security system, which features a dual encryption system called dual uh, DAR, uh, which meets the various U.S. government security standards for security data. But it's not drastically different from what's already on offer uh, to the consumer and enterprise S20s. As you might imagine, the S20 Tactical Edition isn't going to be sold to consumers. It's only available to select IT channel partners in, in later in Q3 with no price or exact release date announced. So that's very interesting. A uh, few stories now before we finish up today. Tech Thursday with Patrick Sheehan. Uh, Tesla drops its lawsuit against Almeida County uh, over lockdown order. The company did not provide any reasoning for Well, it's obviously the reason is... So what happened was uh, California announced that they were opening for certain businesses again, including car companies and things like that. But uh, one area of California announced that they decided to go against the the whole counties or the whole um, Californian decision to allow certain businesses to open by keeping them closed, including Tesla. So he was saying that this they need to make up their mind are they open or closed because all the other car companies were allowed to work but his specific Almeida County was staying closed uh, against the wishes of the California as a whole so that's why he was going to sue but then uh, when he threatened to sue they allowed him to open so that's why he's not suing now because they've just said okay work away so that explains that the electric car maker sued the company Almeida night Amid Tesla CEO Elon Musk war of words with county officials over the shuttering of his company's manufacturing facility in Fremont. Uh, the orders went into effect in mid-March in order to slow the spread of COVID-19. Uh, COVID of, uh, county officials restricted all but essential businesses from performing anything other than the most minimal. Uh, Musk had criticised California shelter-in-place rules as uh, as they threatened to move his fa- and threatened to move his factory out of the state. A few days later, Tesla restarted production in the factory in violation of the public health orders. Musk tweeted that he intended to be yeah. So he just said, "I'm just following what California said. I'm not following what some local authority was doing, considering their levels weren't any worse or anything uh, than the rest of California." So he didn't understand why they were doing it, and he thought it didn't make sense and he was risking his whole company and all, all the employees jobs and everything else so he just said I'm going back to work um, Tesla's Nevada Gigafactory workers received an email calling them back to work as well uh, county officials later approved Tesla's reopened plant that's why he's not suing despite the company having already reopened in violation of county orders and things seem to have de-escalated but Musk is still actively casting about um a new factory location and several states are said to be in the running yeah so there was talking about texas and things like that 
Yeah, and that's that. So last story today. Uh, think of Amazon and last-minute deliveries, streaming boxes, and Kindles spring to mind, but not necessarily making video games. Now the online giant wants to change um, and is getting its teeth into game development with the release of The Crucible. Of Crucible. Uh, we want to make games that resonate with a very large audience of players. Mike Frazine, so they want to go on the, the Fortnite-type uh the game that they're aiming for. Um, Mike Frazzini, the vice president of Amazon, told uh, BBC Radio 1, ultimately the players will get to decide whether or not that it succeeds. Uh, they're pleased with the feedback and early play tests, but ultimately they don't know how good it's going to be. So, uh, Crucible is a new free-to-play PC game and uh, in a, is a competitive shooter title that is a cross between Overwatch, Gears of War, and League of Legends. Oh, so that's the kind of uh, that's what they're going for. It's the first big budget original game that Amazon Game Studios has released, and the company hopes it will compete with titles like Fortnite and Apex Legends. We're really looking forward to getting it out the door. Uh, this may be Amazon's first major release, but it's involved in the games industry for a long time. It already owns the streaming site Twitch. Uh, the number of viewers on Twitch is clearly having an impact on the types of games and comp- that companies want to make now and into the future, which is sad for me because I, <laughs> I don't like playing games online. I only like playing, I'm supposed I'm old fashioned. I like playing campaign modes offline and just going through the game and completing it. So all these games turning to online games I was, I'm not a fan of so um, uh, yeah so it'll be interesting it doesn't say when it's coming out but uh, we're looking out for there's uh, anything that they do has a lot of money behind it but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be quality so they're, they say they're trying to earn respect in the industry um, yeah that'll be something to watch out for crucible by amazon uh that's been tech thursday for today i hope you've enjoyed me browsing through the news and uh, i'll talk to you next week thanks for listening to tech thursday patrick sheehan out you're listening to tech thursday on west limerick 102 fm